This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tanks! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, circle of drives, skipped it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tames, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincin Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hi, how's it going? It's Jay Zawoski here with you solo tonight. James Naveau is holding down... Uh, the NBC newsroom with this crazy weather, this crazy wind night, his power is going in and out, his internet's going in and out, so it's been a wild night for James Naveau, so it's just me, uh, as long as my power holds up in these uh, gusty winds, but hopefully we can get through a quick post game here. We plan on doing a full Madhouse podcast on Thursday night, so um, we'll get you. Sorry it's been a few days, a little bit crazy around the holidays, and of course tonight with all the weather chaos that James has to cover for NBC um, it's just me. So I hope that's okay. Don't tune out. James will be back tomorrow. I promise. But thanks for joining us. Always appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at Madhouse pod, Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Madhouse hockey pod Hawks win five, four in overtime against Washington capitals in a wild game. Hawks outshot 46 to 28 and yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. That was a pretty fair representation of the game. Um, Caps really throwing everything they had at the net at Marc-Andre Fleury. And I'll say, for a guy who saved 42 shots in this game, Marc-Andre Fleury, not one of his stronger games. There were a few goals I'm sure he'd want back. Clearly frustrated after the goal scored by Sprung uh, to make it 3-2 at the time uh, in favor of the Hawks. It kind of a, I don't know, I don't know if Fleury sort of fell asleep on the play but uh, not a great goal. And then he, the, maybe the game tire in the third period from Eller, he'd like to have back too. But look, what matters is the Hawks took two points um, despite having the game tied with three seconds left in the third period. All hell breaks loose in front of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and the puck finds its way in the back of the net. Connor Sheary gets credit for the goal. Uh, but 121 into overtime, Caleb Jones with his first goal as a Blackhawk, assisted by Kirby Doc. There was a two-on-one 
Doc wanted to pass, wanted to pass, wanted to pass, <laughs> shot the puck, and Jones buried the rebound. So uh, all's well that ends well. And I think, you know, as we look at the recent history and the recent luck of the Blackhawks, they've probably lost some games they deserve to win. I think this would be kind of the opposite of that, right? And you hope over the course of a season, those things even out. The Hawks probably did not deserve to win this game, but they did. Three power play goals make the difference for the Hawks. And uh, look, there's some good stuff here. I'm not going to, there's nothing really to bag on the Hawks against. I, I think it's just, you know, the Caps are a better team than they are. That's just the reality of the thing. And, um, you know, when you have your goaltender not at his best, uh, you need that power play to come through, and it did. But I, I want to start here with kind of the lead story of the game. And one of the Hawks that was the most impressive is a guy that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, a guy who's been in and out of the lineup, who's been criticized publicly by people in the organization, and that's Dylan Strom. And look, did I cringe a little bit when I saw him out there defending a one-goal lead in the last minute of, of the game? Yes. Was I right to cringe? Yes, because the Caps ended up scoring it. Now, not Dylan Strom's fault per se, but I think it's meaningful because... That is a, and Kobe Cohen said this on the broadcast as well. That is a vote of confidence from Derek King and Dylan Strom. That's not a guy I think any of us, as well as he played in this game, that's not a guy we would typically choose to be out on the ice defending a one goal lead. But King gave him the opportunity. It didn't work out, uh, but it worked out in overtime. But I think that is a guy getting rewarded for playing a solid game. And I think Dylan Strom had a really good game. Every time I looked up, he was generating offense. He was creating scoring chances. You know, uh, he. I, I just think that he really had an impactful game. And when you look at what he brings to this team, and, and this is nothing new. I've talked about this a lot. So is James. To think he's not one of the Hawks' 12 best forwards is ridiculous. And I know... You know, you want hustle on all ends of the ice and you want an all-around game and all those things, but that's just not the player Dylan Strom is. And for a team that struggles to score, like the Blackhawks do, you've got to put your more offensive weapons out there. Strom was out there. He played well. He deserves to play again. Uh, he had three shot attempts, won nine of 15 faceoffs for 60%, credit with a block shot and three takeaways. That's a solid game in 20 minutes for Dylan Strom. I'm sorry. I'm happy with that. And you should be too. And that's the sort of thing that should keep him in the lineup uh, as the season goes forward here. So uh, hopefully he has earned his way and played his way out of the Blackhawks doghouse. And, you know, I always go back and listen to the podcast we do because I'm always self-scouting. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to make sure I didn't say something stupid <laughs> on the podcast, which happens a few times an episode if you've been following us for a long time. But uh, you know, I, I, I go back and listen and James brought up a good point where, you know, the common denominator here with Dylan Strom is Mark Crawford, right? That's the guy who was kind of the guiding hand for Jeremy Cowton. And then when Derek King took over, at least early on, and I need to check with the people that are at practice every day, at least early on, Mark Crawford was the guy leading practices. He was a guy sort of getting things going while Derek King sort of stayed on the sidelines, stayed on the periphery. Uh, so James bringing that to the other podcast was a really good point. So I'd like to see, I wonder who Dylan Strom has to convince. Is it Derek King? 
isn't Mark Crawford. And when James asked me at the last show, I said, well, you might be right about the Crawford thing, but how many times a season have we seen Derek King take Dylan Strom aside and talk to him for an extended period of time, one-on-one, and then we find out Dylan Strom was not in the lineup that night, right? Like that happens a lot. But as the head coach, maybe that's his job. So it's interesting. That, that's something I want to keep an eye on as the season goes on. But look, uh, Dylan Strom really solid in this game. Alex Dabrinkit with two goals. Brandon Hagel with two assists. Kirby Doc with two assists and three shots on goal and another shot attempt. Won 45% of his faceoffs. You're starting to see Doc uh, get starting to become more effective. And I think his confidence was rattled big time when he was really in that slump. And now he's starting to pick up some points again here. You're starting to see him play with a little more aggressiveness. He's uh, taking a little more, I don't want to say control, but he's, he, I think just assertiveness is the way to, to say it. He's not so passive all the time. And look, I just said in overtime, he was trying to pass over to Caleb Jones, but ultimately took the shot with plenty of room to follow up a rebound. And it worked out and he gets the uh, game winning assist in overtime. So, as much as the Hawks were outplayed in this game, overall, I'm kind of pleased with how they competed, how just overall they played a pretty solid game despite being kind of outmanned and overmatched in terms of talent. They battled back several times. They could have folded a number of times. Look, you get, you're get you up 3-1, and then all of a sudden the game's tied. Then you are up 4-3, and everything's going your way. Then three seconds left, you give up a goal, the Hawks had several opportunities to fold. And I think earlier in the season, maybe this team would have folded, but this is a different team right now. And I encourage you to go read the piece that Mark Lazarus wrote uh, for the athletic today, sort of highlighting the Hawks the Hawks change in their defensive style and their defensive play. It was really good. It was really in depth, sort of breaking down all the things. I'm not going to steal his content, but uh, go read it yourself. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, on the athletic, obviously, but it's just this is a night and day difference between what Jeremy Colton had this team doing and what Derek King has this team doing. And look, part of it is the Hawks started so poorly that you knew that at least a slight correction was coming. Think of how poorly the goalies played early in the season and just nothing was going right for the Hawks early on you knew they weren't that bad, right? We knew they weren't as terrible as they started, but uh, Derek King comes in. Now the Hawks are 10 and six under King, and that's that's significant. And I saw uh, the 538, whether you trust them or not anymore, <laughs> during the game had the Hawks as a 5% chance at making the playoffs. So still pretty unlikely, but um, look, they're playing better. They played really well against Toronto and a bad bounce sort of, not sort of, it absolutely did uh, change the game. And the Hawks ended up losing a game they probably deserved to win. So you're seeing them play well against really good teams. And and look, I, I don't think they played poorly in this game. Now, the shot attempts and the shots on goal are way in the favor of the Capitals, hugely in favor of the Capitals. But I also think that the Caps sort of had this approach where it was just throw stuff at the net. And that is a shoot-happy team. The Caps are a team that like to put the puck on net, and you've got Alex Ovechkin out there. Just, I swear to God, I wish someone could just go and just hold him 
the entire game. Alex Ovechkin had 10 shots on goal. 10. The Hawks leader, Seth Jones, had five. Sprong had six. Nicholas Backstrom had five. McMichael had six for the Caps. Connor Sheary had five. This is a shoosty team, as Terry Boris used to say. They love to put the puck on that. That was the approach against Flurry, and uh, ultimately the Hawks get the win. One they probably didn't deserve, but they got it, uh, and that's what matters. So the Hawks now um, ten and six under interim head coach Derek King. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. What's Fry the Coop? Only the best damn Nashville hot chicken you have ever had anywhere, not just in Chicagoland, anywhere, and I stand by that. I've had them all. Fry the Coop is my favorite. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Chances are, if you're a Hawks fan, you've got a Fry the Coop very, very close to you. So go check out their menu at FryTheCoop.com. Go visit them and their restaurant locations. Again, Oakland, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. And when you visit any of our sponsors, be it Ken Simpson, be it Fry the Coop, be it whoever, make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It's very, very helpful for us. What else is helpful for us is when you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, we will enter you to win a Madhouse Podcast prize pack, which features a t-shirt and a sticker and some other goodies we throw in there as well. So make sure if you've not done that, do that. Take a screenshot of that and email it to us at madhousepod at gmail.com, and we'll pick uh, two or three at random at the end of every month to win a Madhouse Podcast prize pack. Now, off the ice, big news of the day. Kyle Beach and the Blackhawks have settled their uh, negligence lawsuit. Here's the quote from Rocky Wirtz, Danny Wirtz, Susan Loggins, uh, she is Kyle Beach's counsel. Quote, the parties are pleased to announce that today's mediation resulted in a confidential settlement between the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. The Blackhawks hope that their resolution will bring some measure of peace and closure for Mr. Beach. As for the Blackhawks organization, we remain steadfast in our commitment to ensure that going forward, this team will be a beacon for professionalism, respect, and integrity in our community. We remain grateful for the trust and support of the Blackhawks community, and we promise to continue working every day to earn and maintain that trust. So there you go. Uh, They are also, according to Rick Westhead, they are scheduled to conduct settlement negotiations with John Doe 2 on December 20th. So the John Doe 2 case uh, also looks like it's going to a settlement. So we will see uh, where that goes. But I, I don't know. I don't. You can't call it good news, um, but it's good that both sides were able to reach something that was satisfactory for Kyle Beach. That's what matters, and hopefully he gets a little bit of closure on this chapter of his life and can uh, move forward. And look, you never real really heal from these experiences, these this abuse that Kyle Beach went through. But hopefully, uh, the acknowledgement from the Blackhawks, the uh, firing of all those involved in the cover up. And the lack of reporting um, sort of puts a ties a bow on this whole saga. And hopefully uh, John Doe, too, gets what uh, he has coming to him as well. And I think that's the most we can hope for. All right. Going to tie a bow here on this postgame podcast. Remember, we are doing a full-length one tomorrow night. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll get more into the Kyle Beach thing. 
Uh, we're going to talk to our buddy Kent Simpson next week about this topic as well. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you got those notifications turned on. And again, remember to send those five-star reviews to madhousepod at gmail.com and we'll enter you to win something cool. Hawks win 5-4 in overtime over the Washington Capitals. We'll be back with you on Thursday night on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Cincinnati Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.